Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips joined by Gabe DeArmond. Gabe is the publisher of PowerMizu.com, and he joins us today on the GCR podcast to give us a look at this South Carolina-Missouri game from a Missouri perspective. Gabe, welcome in today. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Gabe, let's talk about this Missouri team a little bit here. A record-setting day for the Missouri offense in Saturday's win over Missouri State, but I think excitement for the performance by the offense tempered a little bit by the fact that the defense gave up 492 yards against an FCS opponent. Uh, more than a little bit. <laughs> defense is all anybody's talking about. I mean, the offense, like, yeah, it was good, but that's what you should do against, I mean, Missouri State is a middle-of-the-road at best FCS. They've been 5-17 and 17 the last two years. The head coach here is a former Mizzou defensive coordinator, and, you know, they ought to put up big numbers. Now, 800 yards and 72 points, you don't necessarily expect that, but you do when your starters have to stay in the game until six minutes are left because your defense can't get stopped. I mean, uh, Missouri State scored 35 points in the first half and had 300 and some odd yards in the first half. And, uh, you know, we talked to uh, one of the defensive assistants yesterday, and, and he said exactly what I thought for the past three days, which is if we play that way again, we're not going to win another football game. Missouri quarterback Drew Locke threw for 521 yards in this ball game and seven touchdowns. Both were school records for Missouri. Missouri scored 10 TDs in this ball game, beat Missouri State 72-43. So let's start with the good, Gabe, and talk about the offense. Locke and Jamon Moore figure to be one of the most prolific pass-catch tandems in the SEC this year, and they certainly lived up to the high billing in Saturday's ball game. And a huge offensive line for Missouri that uh, I think maybe a lot of folks in South Carolina are not aware of. Yeah, I mean, Jamon Moore, like you mentioned, he's uh, he's the only returning 1,000-yard receiver in the SEC. I think he was the only 1,000-yard receiver last year. Uh, they got a kid in the slot named Jonathan Johnson. He took the first uh, first play of the game. It was a six-yard pass that he turned into a 65-yard touchdown. A lot of people actually think he's going to be maybe Missouri's number one receiver this year. Uh, in the backfield, Demaria Crockett had a thousand yards last year and really only played ten games. He had two hundred against Missouri State, and his name a lot of times doesn't get mentioned with some of the SEC's elite backs just because there are so many of them. I mean, people don't talk about him like they do Geis or Nick Chubb at, at Georgia or or even uh, the Williams kid down at A and M. But I, he's got a chance, I think, to be first or second team All SEC this year. Um, uh, they've got three tight ends that they're going to play. All of them caught passes. Two of them caught touchdowns. I mean, they really do have a, a pretty good number of weapons all over the field. And obviously, this is kind of the year we find out if Drew Locke is what everybody was thought he was coming out of high school. Missouri had over 500 yards of offense in the first half on Saturday. They led 48-35 at halftime. But Missouri State did lead on several occasions Saturday, so – Gabe, tell us about uh, the Missouri State offense. You know, they, they got uh, 492 yards of offense in this game, most of it coming through the air. Yeah, I mean, it was two huge plays. They had like six plays that accounted for 300 and some odd yards. They, 
They had an 89-yard touchdown pass on third and 24, where Missouri just absolutely whipped two tackles. Then a 75-yard touchdown run. I think that was on third and seven. Um, a lot of really concerning things. Missouri's got a lot of new guys. They're breaking in on defense. Their defensive defensive depth chart is filled with oars. And you know, the the question we had last week was. Does that mean you have really good backups, or does it mean you have starters that haven't really separated themselves from backups? And right now, it looks like the latter. Um, you know, Missouri's defense in 2015 was one of the top 15 in the country. It was really good. Barry Odom was a defensive coordinator. He took over last year as the head coach, and they were one of the 15 worst defenses in Division One football. And, um, you know, I said all offseason, I don't think it can be any worse. It's got to be better because it can't be worse. Well, it was worse on Saturday. That was the worst defensive performance I've seen out of a Missouri team in a long time. Secondary play, a serious concern for the Tigers this yeah. past weekend. Gabe, you know, was it is it a talent issue or was it scheme? Was it lack of pass rush? Well, I, I, you worry that it's a talent issue. They lost both starting cornerbacks from last year, uh, Arion Fenton and John Gibson, and South Carolina fans probably didn't think too highly of Missouri secondary anyway because I remember being at that game last year just – Basically, it became when South Carolina got in a position where they had to throw, they just kind of put the ball up, and their receivers just out-competed Missouri's defensive backs last year. They just, they went after the ball harder and won almost every 50-50 ball. Um, so they've got brand new starters there. They actually lost a, a guy they projected to start in the preseason named Christian Holmes to a separated shoulder for the season. Safety was, I thought, the worst position on the field last year, which was saying something considering what Missouri's defense was. Um, they started a true freshman named Jordan Ulmer back there. He wasn't bad. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. Anthony Sherrill started at the other spot, and he wasn't bad. But Missouri rotated in three other safeties, and they were all uh, Cam Hilton, who's actually suspended for the first half of this game because he had a targeting penalty last week, and Anthony Hines, who has kind of gone back and forth between corner and safety. Those guys were on the field for most of the big plays for Missouri State last week. And, yeah, if you I mean, all of the defense was bad, but the secondary was probably the worst part. Missouri's playing six linebackers, Gabe, and they're rotating them pretty evenly from what I understand. At least they did Saturday against Missouri mm -hmm. State. So is this what you were talking about earlier? You know, nobody's really stepped up and emerged at that position, so they're playing everybody they've got? That's what I think. I mean, look, they, I don't think they have any guys that are like superstars at linebacker. I think what they have is just six guys that are all just kind of guys right now. Um, you know, the, the coaches were fairly complimentary of Therese Hall, one of the outside linebackers. Kale Garrett, the starting middle linebacker, played okay. But uh, Missouri played eight true freshmen on defense last week, uh, 11 newcomers when you count junior college guys. And I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those guys get more and more time, especially if the defense struggles again this week against South Carolina. What about Missouri's defensive line? South Carolina is coming off a game against an NC State team that featured one of the top defensive lines in the country, and I think that unit obviously presented some problems to the Gamecocks and wondering yeah. what Missouri's got up front on defense. Well, I think Missouri's got a solid defensive line. It's not as good as it has been in the past. Um, I don't know that they have right now, you know, a first-round draft pick there in deep but Terry Beckner Jr. is a former five-star kid coming off two ACL injuries. It didn't do a lot in the opener, but it was his first game back. People expect a big year out of him. Uh, Rashad Brandon, a junior college defensive tackle, was actually, I thought, I mean, I said after that game, he's the only guy I'd tell was starting next week. Everybody else, I'd open up jobs, but Rashad Brandon was really good in the opener. Marcel Fraser, a defensive end, he had eight sacks last year, but 
what we don't know is, okay, he was really good when he was the second guy and everybody was paying attention to Charles Harris, but how good will he be now that he's the number one guy that they're paying attention to? And, and can the guys on the other side step up and kind of fill that void? I mean, we don't really know who who the top guy is on the other side. Gamecock Central Radio, Emerson Phillips with Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com. We invite you to download the Gamecock Central Radio app. We've got this phone app that's available on the App Store and on Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Gamecock Central Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other popular services, or just visit radio.gamecockcentral.com. And we want to invite you to be a part of the Gamecock Central Radio podcast. You can call the Gamecock Central hotline. Leave us a message. We'll play the recording of your voice on a future edition of Gamecock Central Radio. Wes Mitchell will answer your questions. Call the hotline, 803-497-9058. It's 803-497-9058. Gabe, what were the uh, expectations for Missouri football coming into 2017? Well, I think it's at a bare minimum make a bowl game. Uh, they were 4-8 and eight last year, you know, obviously not good in year one under Odom. And the minimum has to be six wins. Uh, no matter where they come from or how good they look doing it, they have to get six wins and get back to a bowl game. And with this schedule, I mean, it's about as easy as it can be if you have to be in the SEC. You get South Carolina, Florida, and Tennessee all coming here. Um, you know, you, you get Arkansas from the West, Auburn's at home. Uh, the non-conference should be four cakewalks, although after last week, I'm not sure anybody is, is real confident in that. Uh, I think to see measurable progress, this should be a 7-5 team. That's what I picked them in the preseason, but I am having my doubts uh, whether that was an intelligent pick uh, after week one. Gabe, only one of these two teams is going to leave 1-0 in conference play, so the conference opener obviously huge for that reason. Yeah, no question. I, I mean, you look around the East, and I, I don't know. I think Georgia is pretty clearly the most talented team, but obviously Eason went down. You're not sure what, uh, what Jake Fromm is going to do stepping in and how long he'll be there. And, you know, Georgia kind of has a history of stubbing its toe somewhere it shouldn't. So, you look elsewhere, Florida's entire team is suspended. Kentucky had some big injuries, didn't look great in week one. South Carolina, I think, you know, has some question marks. Missouri, Vandy, certainly uh, trying to fight up from the bottom. But I I think everybody kind of goes into this thing thinking, hey, if we can get a little momentum going, we're going to go into November having a chance to make the SEC title game. And so, uh, this game... This game really is Missouri's season. If they win this game, you can start looking at, okay, feeling pretty good, come out of September 3-1, and one, pick up a couple along the way, talk about a 7-8 win season. If they lose this game, I think 6 is the absolute ceiling, and you've got to kind of start scratching to find those. What's the perception of South Carolina football in Missouri? Well, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. I actually think, you know, Missouri fans' big question since they joined the SEC was, who's our rival and the sec has tried to manufacture this thing with arkansas which whatever um you know the best games have been missouri south carolina like these games have except for the first one have have been really competitive really entertaining games obviously the the one that uh you know south carolina came in and beat a top 10 undefeated missouri team four years ago then in in uh, south carolina just when maddie mock brought missouri back in the fourth quarter there have been some really good games here, and, and I think these are pretty similar programs, honestly. Um, you know, teams that have had some good runs, but nobody's ever going to consider them like SEC elite, uh, but but I think are capable of beating you on any given day and, and putting together a pretty good season. Gabe, I watched Barry Odom's press conference on Tuesday of this week on your website, powermizu.com, and 
He did talk about Debo Samuel a little bit and said he really likes the way Debo plays the game. He said after Saturday he'll be a fan of Debo's for the rest of the year. So talk about uh, concerns that Missouri has about South Carolina. Well, I, I think it starts with uh, with Jake Bentley and Debo Samuel. I mean, they saw firsthand what the kid can do last year. And, again, the second the defensive issues they're having, um, you've got to be scared of really of anybody at this point in time. But the big playability on special teams um, – Missouri's kicking game is a question mark. I, I think this is really a game where, and this sounds like a cop out because you say this about every game, but turnovers and special teams, one play could could really swing the momentum of this one. And South Carolina was really good in, the, in uh, those aspects in Week One against NC State. Gabe, we appreciate your insight today. Thanks very much for your time. No problem. Have a good one. All right, that's Gabe DeArmond. You can check out his work at powermizzou.com. And for Gabe, I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for being with us on Gamecock Central Radio. we got a 7 o'clock kickoff Saturday in Columbia, Missouri. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.